Blog Talk Radio. A flipping out radio production. It's real. June 21st, 2011. Hope you all had a great weekend and a happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers, obviously. It's the official first day of summer, which also means it's almost time for Summerfest. Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. My name is Joe, just visit Pacino. As always, seated in his front row, IWF chair, my tag team partner and co-host. David Gomez, a.k.a. D-G-A-K-A, the future IWF champion. <laughs> DG, what's crack-a-lacking? Not much, sir. I had a great uh, Father's Day weekend, or in my case, a pre-Father's Day weekend. Some good stuff, fun with the family. I got to see the dadster, uh, dropped off his gift. Got him a nice little uh, Cooperstown Collection Daryl Strawberry shirt. He was quite impressed by that. And uh, what about you, sir? Um, I had a pretty good Father's Day myself. I hosted it here at my house. Had a big barbecue with my dad, my father-in-law, my brother-in-laws. So weather played, you know, the weather was really nice, so we had a good time outside. Yeah, I must have my invitation. Yeah, I'll invite you next year when you're an actual father, you know, not who's your daddy. Woo! So, sir... Today's the longest day of the year, but it didn't feel like it. Like, at 9 o'clock, I thought the sun still be out, but, you know, I guess maybe it's just cloudy out here in Jersey. But the longest day of the year is now behind us, and it's time for another Pure Gold show. Yes, sir. Excited, ready to rock and roll tonight, ready to, uh, you know, take things, uh, as we always do, take the bull by the horns and just uh, make this the best Pure Gold show ever. Yes, sir. Let's rock and roll. Let's give out some contact info. Folks, as always, the number, if you'd like to be a call of our, uh, part of our show, if you'd like to call in, 714-364-4721. Check out our website at puregoldpg.com, where, of course, you can see our Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube, and all the other slop fest that there is, uh, sir. Sir, what's going on tonight? Not much. Like I said, just had an exciting, uh, I had an exciting Father's Day. It was good. Uh, spent it, like I said, you know, with the dad. Uh, then again with the rest of my family. So I'm very I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to, you know, have the anticipation of of being a father soon and in a couple of months, and that's very exciting. It's exciting to me because, of course, you know, I love getting gifts. You know, I love, uh, you know, being celebrated. I love when the attention is all about me. Obviously, when my kid is born, it won't be. It'll be about her. But that's besides the point. Next year, Father's Day, I'll be getting gifts. I'll be getting, you know, Wonderful, lovely presents and things. So, you know, maybe next year I'll host a little extravaganza at my house. And, of course, I will not invite you, sir. Oh, of course not. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less of you. So, um, you know, I, I know you've told me that, you know, more on more than one occasion that you're convinced that it's still not a girl. So we must go for a 3D, 4D, <laughs> 5D test. I don't even know how many Ds there are in these tests. But when is that going to happen? Uh, I, I'd rather not give out that information on the air because uh, there are certain parties who might be listening who are not aware of uh, of such things that will transpire. So uh, let's just say it's going to happen soon, sir, very soon. All right. I mean, we do have a wrestling guest on the show, but did you uh, did you catch that slot festival raw last night? No, I did not. After I saw Pyro's tweet about wanting to call us and, you know, uh, he he wasn't sure if he could because of all the profanity that he would use. You know, I had to make sure to talk him talk him down. But um, you know, I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it. I did, of course, read the the spoilers and the results and whatnot. And as usual, it didn't sound like a very interesting show. It didn't it didn't sound like much happened. Um, I was more interested last week 
and listening, you know, watching the show and, and trying to get a glimpse of uh, of our guest for the evening, you know. And uh, I did actually, I got to see that, so that was a pretty cool little clip there. But uh, aside from that, you know, it's like we always talk about Raw it just does not have it going. Uh, the WWE does not have it going. There isn't much excitement or much interest uh, on my end. But of course, if the situation arises where we need to talk about it, if it needs to come up, then I will check out Monday Night Raw and everything else there. I, I don't know. It seems to me that the WWE is kind of desperate lately. I mean, we have three weeks in a row where we have like gimmick Raws. I mean, two uh, last week we had you know the All Stars, basically the Raw and SmackDown rosters combined, which yeah. was I thought was atrocious. Followed by. <laughs> You know, last night's Raw, which was even more atrocious, except for the whole CM Punk thing, which we could talk about more. Uh, but, uh, you know, another gimmick where, like, the people's choice, you know, the people's choice in terms of matches and what kind of, like, match they want to see, I thought that is, um, that's kind of overplayed nowadays, you know, with, uh, it was cool when, you know, the Internet was just, you know, new to people and everyone loved the fact that they could make their own choices. But last night was horrible. And then next week, follow up by, a raw roulette where it's one of those like wheels that you know that these all these segments that they have are usually pre-taped or they have somebody behind the wheel stopping the match where they want to stop it. So yeah. even that's rigged nowadays. I mean, the only time I really liked raw, raw roulette DG was when Eric Bischoff was around and he was the GM because you know he made it kind of cool because I remember him taking that idea from WCW. Yeah, I agree. So that was uh, that was some good stuff and uh, the WCW roulette was terrible. The Raw Roulette with Bischoff was actually pretty good. I always liked that. Uh, you know, I always found it to be interesting. Um, what, what I don't understand, sir, <laughs> what I really don't understand is what happened last night with all of the uh, the voting issues. I don't know if you if you checked this out, but there were some voting issues with the uh, the match where Mason Ryan ended up becoming, uh, you know, the, the the man to fight Evan Bourne. <clears throat> Apparently, in the Divas match, there was some voting with that, which somehow followed over into the next match. And then I also just read that there were some issues uh, with the main event, so I'm not really sure what happened. They weren't they weren't tabulated properly, so uh, you know the, the people had the power, as it were, um, you know. But there were, there was an issue with that. So I mean, you know, what, what can we really say about Raw, sir? I mean, you know, there's the whole thing with CM Punk, which of course is uh, is interesting. So you know, I don't know if you'd like to you'd like to comment on that, but uh, you know, before we do, give me a, give me a very brief, and I mean brief. Take uh, A to F. What would you grade last night's roster? Well, I did watch most of it live up until about ten o'clock, and then I DVR the rest. And um, I thought the main event. For some reason, the WWE formula is the day after a pay per view, they take the main event from the the pay per view and they make and they they make it into a tag match. So if you have tickets for the next night after a pay per view to go see Raw, you're going to guarantee a tag team match for your main event. So I thought the match was pretty bad itself, too. I, 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 overall, you know, very briefly, like you said, I give the last night's Raw uh, a C- minus to a D. I mean, it was just bad. Just not watchable. I'm surprised you were, you were dropping it like it was hot. I thought you were going to give it a big old F. And there's no way I thought you'd actually give it anything more than that. But, you know, again, being that I didn't see it and, uh, and I haven't really been too interested, I haven't been too interesting, uh, interested in talking about it, um, you know, Let's pretty much just say that uh, the WWE is not what uh, what we want it to be as fans. But you know, let's put the WWE talk on hold. We'll get back to that in a second. We have uh, you know a guest this evening joining us. So um, let's just say, without further ado, we have joining us from the IWF, the one and only Flex Freeman, and I believe Kevin Knight is with him. How are you guys doing? Flex. Kevin. Not really sure what's going on. Flex, uh, Kevin, are you guys there? All right. Apparently, we're having some uh, some technical difficulties here. I guess uh, I guess this is the Thursday carryover, uh, Joe. I'm not sure what's going <laughs> on here, but um, you know, something is is is. Uh, let's let, let's see let's see if we get the board up. Hey uh, Kelly, you know, move your tail, let's get this working here. I don't know what's going on, you know. Well I, I think we're just gonna have to fire everybody. We fired our producer last week. I think we're gonna have to fire the board up. I think we're just gonna have to fire everybody, sir. Pretty soon we're gonna be fired. Let's try this again. From the IWF, Kevin Knight and Flex Freeman, are you guys there? Yeah, this is Flex. Can you hear me? Hey Flex, how are you, sir? 
Hey, what? how you doing, buddy? Doing good, doing good. Uh, listen, you know, it's a, it's an honor to have you on. For those of you out there uh, listening, this is the IWF American Champion Flex Freeman, the one and only. And uh, yeah. we're going to get into a little bit later uh, what he was doing last Monday. For some of you possibly, you know, out there, you, you, if you uh, saw a little segment with Randy Orton and, and Christian, he was there. Yeah. So we'll talk about yeah. that in a second. But Flex, uh, you know, as we start out again, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell us, uh, if you could, no what got you into wrestling and what ultimately led you to the IWF? Um, honestly, um, you know, I've obviously uh, been a fan all my life. I mean, I'm 22 years old, so, I mean, you know, I was able to appreciate the uh, Bret Hart's, you know, back in those days with the Davy Boys, the British Bulldogs. I had a lot of fun yeah. with that, you know, and I grew up. I, you know, I loved it, you know, just like any other kid, you know, my age did. And, you know, I, as I grew up, I got to, you know, love the business for what it was. But, um, you know, all through high school, I um, I played, you know, I was a wrestler, I was a defensive lineman, and I was a, I was an amateur wrestler, you know, a shooter. And so, you know, I went to college and uh, played football. And over there I met Fadi. Over here he was uh, the Fadi baby and Bull. Yes, and yes. Kevin Knight actually got him into Florida Championship Wrestling. But um, one day me and him were working out in the gym, and it's a funny story. I actually had leggings on. I was doing squats, and he said, you look good in tights. He was just like, you know, he was like, you look good in tights. He was just like, we wear those in, um, you know, where I wrestle. I said, we mean wrestling. He said, professional wrestling. And I said, are you serious? He was like, yeah. And so, you know, he uh, introduced me to Kevin Knight before he went to Florida, and then after that, it's been a wrap. It's been really good. Hey, Flex, it's JB here. Do you have an all-time favorite wrestler, and who do you model yourself after except – you know, besides Kevin Knight, who do you model yourself after? <laughs> besides Kevin, yeah. Besides Kevin, yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, my all-time favorite, um, you know, growing up, obviously, I was a big Bret Hart fan. But at six foot four, three hundred pounds, I'm not gonna wrestle like Bret Hart. And <laughs> so, like with you know, with that, I um, I try to consider myself a mixture between a lot of guys. You know, I have a physique, so. I try to copy, like, a lot of the guys. Not copy, but just take some stuff, like, from, like, your Lex Lugers. And I was an amateur wrestler, so I pulled a little stuff from Brock Lesnar. I'm sort of athletic, so nice. I used some, you know, British Bulldog stuff. Like, you know, guys who were good at what they did and big guys who brought more to the table than just their size. Okay, yeah, I remember going to an IWF event uh, very recently, a couple months ago, and I actually ended up sitting next to your uh, your mom and uh, yeah, she was talking. Yeah, she was there. She was she was talking you up and stuff, and she was she was mentioning with the WWE and whatnot. And uh, you know, you you yeah. talked to us about uh, how you actually got hooked up with the IWF because of Fadi, who was who was a part of Florida yeah. Championship Wrestling for a bit. But uh, what has your experience been been like at the IWF? At the IWF experience, you know, it's uh, it's crazy because um, when people talk about like uh, when you know people ask me. You know, like how you know how are you good, and you know how did everything happen? You know, like cause, you know, obviously I have a lot to learn. You know, you yeah. gotta you know keep the you know gotta stay humble, otherwise you won't ever get better. But honestly, it's, what it's been is just me combining everything in my life, whether it be the intensity of a football player or the network of a wrestler, or just knowing how to make your physique like a bodybuilder. You know, I did a show, so bringing all three of those things onto the mat, it just it just worked, it just clicked. So it feels like my old my whole life I've just been conditioning myself to do this. So, you know, honestly, what has been here is just, it's just been an experience where I feel like I belong, you know, and it's just I've been really been able to show, you know, showcase everything I can do, where, you know, whether it be power, athleticism, or just pure entertainment, you know? Okay. That's good stuff. Now, this Saturday, sure. Flex, is the, is the finals of the IWF Commissioner's Cup. Can you talk about that and, uh, you know, do a little plug for the IWF, what's going on this Saturday? Oh, yeah. This Saturday... Kevin Knight and myself, we are going against uh, Chris Steeler and Francis the Mastodon. Um, both of them are really good guys. You know, they're really great athletes, both of them. But, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be one hell of a battle. But I got to be, you know, I got to be honest. I mean, Kevin Knight has been doing this for a long time. Kevin Knight is a huge dude. Kevin Knight is good in the ring. Kevin Knight is great. You know, like Kevin Knight yeah. definitely makes mistakes. He's really good at what he does. And honestly, you know, I don't know how this is going to sound, but when I come out of that curtain, I feel like I'm the baddest man on the planet. So, honestly, <laughs> we we coming out there. I'll be coming out there to dominate, and that's pretty much the end of that. I'm coming out there. We don't get paid by the hour. I'm coming out there to smash some heads in. <laughs> so that's what I'm yeah. on doing on Saturday. 
Yeah, um, like I said, you know, earlier, uh, the the event that I went to, just watching it, you were in a triple threat match. Uh, I, I forget the name of the other two guys, but I remember they ended up like stealing your title and stuff. And uh, right, right, you know, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, the names the names escaped me at the moment, but you know, when I saw you, and again, this is before you, your mother had mentioned anything to me. I said, "Wow, this guy really looks like a professional wrestler." And to me, right. you know, watching people on the independent circuit, um, especially because there's the independent circuit is so huge. You know, you have stuff like the IWF, which is which is good quality entertainment, and then you have guys, you know, wrestling like in high school gyms, and you know, guys like me and Joe who who've got nothing going on, just wrestling each other. But you actually look like a professional wrestler, and I said to my wife, I was like, this guy looks like he could really be in the WWE. And speaking of that, you know, um, you had a tryout last Monday, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, you were on Raw security. I saw you. You were pretty much head to head with Randy Orton. And you look yes, like uh, we we can't stand Randy Orton, so you look like you're gonna take him. You took him out, Flex. I, you know, I was hoping you had a bomb or something there. <laughs> well, yeah, what know, was that I mean, like? You know, it was it was it was. I mean, for a guy who's been wrestling for a year, I mean, you gotta imagine what's going through my head. But you know, I mean, you know that you know honestly, this what went through my head. I'm like, you know, Randy's not so bad, you know. So <laughs> so you know. It's also within your mind, but I mean, he's a chair for a reason, so we just had to yeah. know, do our job over there. But it, it was, it was, I mean, you you understand why it's a spectacle, like especially being backstage. It, it is a big show, so that was a mind blowing experience to say the least about that. So you had a you had a trial Monday and and Tuesday. So you did yes. the uh, yeah. you did the security thing. Did you do anything on yeah. SmackDown or like what was your actual uh, what was the WWE doing with you there? Just Using local with, town, or, or were you there for something else? No, no. We actually, um, what they did was um, the extras. Everybody who went out there, we actually had a tryout before the, you know, before before it was live and SmackDown was taped. But we all had okay. um, actually, you know, tryouts beforehand, and um, and that you know that went really well for me because the thing that I, I'm really good at is um, you know, in in this business, it's really. You know, it's you know you have to do, know the what to dos, but the hardest thing to learn is what not to do. Like a lot of guys, they figure because I can do a springboard moonsault, don't yeah. that doesn't mean you do it. You know, you know, <laughs> every he's telling the story. You know, like one guy did it and landed on Jamie Noble's head. It, it was, you know, and oh, wow. you know it was bad. Yeah, you have me in there for a year. I understand. I'm six or four, three hundred pounds. I don't have to do a lot in the ring, but. With that being said, I didn't do too much either. You know, I kept it simple, and doing that, I was able to be in the ring for a lot, you know, for a long time and build the mind. Stephen Brady, these guys like what they saw in there because I didn't screw anything up because I didn't go too fast. I didn't do anything that was overly complicated, you know. Okay, um, I know. I, I'm not sure if you've watched Tough Enough or not, but but did you check out that season at all this year? Yes, yes, yes. I was watching. Um, yeah, I watched it. It was good to um, the Andy one. I was happy about that. Okay, let me ask you a question about that, because I, I saw the very beginning of it, and there was a guy there who was, uh, uh, I guess you could say, like a seasoned independent guy, which is Matt Cross, um, right. you know, M-Dog 20, whatever he goes by. His whole thing when he was in the ring there, and, and, and I want you to compare your experience at the tryout to this, right. I thought Matt's huge mistake, and they told him his big mistake was not showing what he could do. He was in there, instead of doing the moonsaults and the backflips, he was just kind of doing regular wrestling. Now, were you trying to to play it safe because you saw what this other guy did and you didn't feel the need to do it, or were you were you just going in there like, all right, you know, this is my chance. I don't want to go crazy and you know uh, break somebody's head. Right. The thing is, you know what? It's in wrestling. It's you know, it's almost like a game of moderation. I mean, like I pulled off a gorilla press and a power slam. I did those power moves. Yeah. But I mean, as far as for like. Like, you know, certain things, like when a guy would, like, one of these guys jumped up on the top rope, didn't look, jumped back, and, you know, like, that's one of those moves that goes right, let's say, five out of ten times. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. unless you're Shawn Michaels or something, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, end of the day, it's not work, it's worth it. You know, if you can do a moonsault, then do it, you know, do it in the, you know, if you're in the WWE tryout, you really don't want to take any chances, you know. Like, yeah, and, you yeah. know, it's tough enough here, you have to showcase what can you what you can do, if I was in that situation, I would do that as well, you know, show what I can do, you know. But, I mean, I can do a moonsault, but I don't think you're going to see one from me, you know. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see one because, you know, things can go very wrong, you know. Like, one of my favorite athletes um, who wrestled was Brock Lesnar. 
And the one time Brock Lesnar did too much was Ooh, the shooting star press. Yes, the shooting the shooting star press. And the one time he does too much, he's two ninety five. You almost kill yourself. So yeah, at the end of the day, if he hit it, if he hit the move, everyone would have been like, okay, it was expected because he's an athlete. But he misses it and almost dies. So at the end of the day, was it worth it? I, you know, I, I would think not. You know. Yeah, those so, kind of I mean, wrestling I, moves. I, yeah, yeah so I mean, I, I, I say just, you know, I mean, obviously you have to play it safe, but I mean, yeah, it is it's entertainment. So you I mean you can't be bland, and if you know, you have to show that you are not the average person. You know, so, like, that's why when I'm out there, I'd actually pull off some amateur stuff just to prove, you know, you can't be the average bear. People want to see, you know, lions, tigers. You can't be, a you know, a cat or a dog. We see that every day, you know, so that's what you yeah. got to do. All right, Flex. Um, let me ask you, when you were um, backstage, who did you uh, meet and who left a lasting impression on you? It's just funny. Um, I met, honestly, everyone that was, you know, everyone – because I was uh, Monday was a super show, so I had Raw and Snipe down there. So everyone I met, everyone you know, and for the most part, everybody there was you know really cool. I mean, everyone was busy, but um, I had two lasting impressions. One was um, you know you know like the whole starstruck thing. I didn't really get that until I saw Triple H, and it was just <laughs> like the game. You know, he just looked at you, and I'm like, that's exactly what I thought in my head. Like, I looked at him. I didn't even say too much. I said, the game, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so, you know, shook his head, spoke to him. He was really cool. And um, him and, you know what? Piper left a lasting impression because, like, if P- if I didn't know it was Piper, he was just talking to me. I would have thought he was a regular guy. Like, he was yeah. down to earth. Like, you know, he's sitting there talking and cursing and just, just you know, talking to me. And, I'm you know, and like for two seconds, I'm, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, y'all having a conversation with Brady Piper. <laughs> It was, you know, it was, it was just funny. I'm like, I'm talking to Piper, but you know, just, you know, like those guys staying humble, you know, doing that. You know, Piper was in the first WrestleMania, yeah. like the first WrestleMania. So you gotta understand, like, you know, like that's, you know, if he had an ego or he was, you know, he was a jerk, you know, it's. I'm not saying that's ever warranted, but if anybody's gonna be like that, you know, it would be Piper, something like that. And he was yeah. down to earth, one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. So that left a lasting impression on me, just saying, you know, no matter what happens, you know, with this, you got to stay grounded, man. That's that's great, Flex. Now, where do you see yourself in a year's time, and where do you see yourself in five years' time? Are you main eventing WrestleMania? Tell us the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's obviously, that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's obviously the dream and the goal. But, um, I mean, you know, honestly, like, like I, one goal I was setting up for myself away was just being able to call a match, you know, like just being able – I could be in there, like, the, like I love Bret Hart. And the one thing that, you know, as I got older, I can could, I could appreciate was I believe in my heart that Bret Hart could have a good match with a cardboard box if he had to. Like, I really think he he could have an Iron Man match with a cardboard box. Like, you know, like I really think he could do it because he was that right. good. And so, I mean, I feel like – that's what keeps you in the business, and that's what I've really been trying to learn because if you take a guy like Triple H who has the body, he can entertain you, and he can speak, the fact that he can run a match, like, there's just nothing but money and longevity, you yeah, know, with that. That's, that's, that's all you have. Exactly. That's all you have. So for me, my goal here is just, you know, just to um, obviously keep working on the body, keep being a big man, but um, just knowing how to work a match and being good in the ring. and. You know, and headline of WrestleMania wouldn't be bad. You know, that wouldn't be a bad that wouldn't be a bad thing for me. But um, you know, that's you know that stuff is gonna come. You know, I just for now, I just want to become the best professional wrestler I can be within my parameters. You know. Yeah, that, you know, Flex, we um, we really do appreciate you coming on there. Like you said, it, it, it's good to stay humble and it's good to keep that mentality because uh, you know, at the end of the day. That's what matters. When people get big heads, yeah. when people get torn, yeah, and you saw Roddy Roddy Piper's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, you know, yeah. a, a yeah. certified, you know, bona fide Hall of Famer. I mean, he was just a regular guy at the end of the day. You know, you, you don't really hear a lot of things about him negatively. And, you know, I'm sure one of the things you've learned from Kevin over at the IWF is that, is to always stay grounded and to always uh, make sure that, you know, you, you keep your head about you. But we appreciate you uh, giving us some time. We appreciate you sharing with us, uh, you know, your take. No it was definitely problem. interesting and refreshing to hear somebody talk about it. Because like Joe said, you know, WrestleMania, we're thinking, you know, but you're you're just talking about, 
being the, the total package, you know, not to steal a line from Lex Luger, but to be that right. total package of a wrestler, which you don't see, and That's you right. obviously have the, the heart for it and the desire, so we we wish you nothing but the best. Of course, give uh, Kevin Knight a big power slam for us when you get a chance, and uh, we, uh, <laughs> we appreciate it, Flex. I definitely will, fellas, and thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be on the show. All right, the honor is all ours. Take care, Flex. How are you going? And, of course, this Saturday, check it out, folks, the IWF Commissioner's Cup. Kevin Knight and the one and only Flex Freeman, the real deal, are going to take it yes. to Francis, the Mastodon, and Chris Steeler. Flex, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Flex. Folks, that was the one and only Flex Freeman. We appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, you know, good spot there, Joe. I had to admit, um, I liked his his take on the whole situation. I liked his take on what he wanted to do, what, where he wanted to be. He's just focusing on being the best that he can be. He's not even sitting there thinking, you know, I'm going to be WWE champ or I'm going to be, you know, the Intercontinental champ. He's thinking, no, I just want to be the total package. I want I want to get everything hands on and really be the best that I can be. And, and at the end of the day. That's the attitude that you need for success, sir. You need to, yeah, you need to shoot for the top, but how do you get to the top? It's by, by doing all the things that Flex said. You're right about that. And before, I was going to tell him before uh, we let him go, I was going to say, hey, Flex, don't forget us when you are main eventing WrestleMania because, you know, I just want to make sure that he's wearing like a pure gold T-shirt or something on the way down to the ring. <laughs> you know, well, WrestleMania 35. I, I think he's probably going to have Kevin Knight uh, in his corner, you know, being being mistaken for, uh, you know, Kevin Bacon, of course. I'm sure Kevin's heard that before. He's going to be leading him down to the ring, and we're going to be uh, the groupies, uh, you know, throwing the towels in and stuff when he uh, when he needs to wipe up the sweat after he's beating uh, Randy Orton from Pillar to Post, sir. Hey, speaking of WrestleMania, did you hear the rumor that WrestleMania 30 might be at Yankee Stadium? I heard it from you, but I haven't heard it through any other sources, so I'm not sure uh, how reliable or how credible that is. I was just throwing it out there because I thought I was the only one that heard this. I don't know where I read this, but, you know, maybe it was just one of those, like, forums or uh, blog websites or whatever. But they were talking about how maybe WrestleMania 30 might be at Yankee Stadium, which would be interesting. It would definitely be interesting, but you would, you'd you have to think, though, that WrestleMania 30, where it all begins again and again and again, would take place at, uh, at Madison Square Garden, no? I mean, you would think, obviously. Definitely. Maybe. Maybe. Folks, here we are, 10:27. We're halfway through our show. We just finished up our interview with the one and only IWF American Champion Flex Freeman, the real deal, like Evander Holyfield. JB, uh, you know, before we get Todd on, uh, give me your opinion. What was your favorite part about the interview, sir? You know, what what, what kind of lasting impression did uh, Flex make on you? Well, I mean, the guy seems like a really good guy in terms of just you know has good morals, has good work ethic. Uh, is doing things the right way, like you said, and just like, you know, uh, you know, Lance Archer did uh, with his interview a couple weeks ago. He's just really honest and upbeat, and um, you know, he doesn't sound fake at all. DG, I haven't met the guy, but you know, just coming across the interview, he just sounds really genuine. And uh, those are the type of guys that you really root for in the business. Definitely, and then the truth of the matter is that somebody like Flex, like I, like I said. He really does have the right attitude of somebody who can be successful in, in this life and, and in, in that career. Because professional wrestling is as hard as it comes. There isn't much much more difficult, you know, as far as careers or anything else than pro wrestling. But Flex has a, has a great head on his shoulders and a great mentality. And we obviously wish him nothing but the best. The IWF is a first-class uh, school. It's always produced. You know, I saw something online today that was interesting, and I actually we retweeted it about how the IWF has been open longer than the former uh, WCW power plant and the ECW hardcore school. You know, they've been around for 12 long years, and Kevin Knight is really doing a great job over there. And, of course, you know, let's go Jets and, and let's go Pirates there. <laughs> and let's go Pure Gold. <laughs> of course. Well, so, sir, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, sir, it's it's 10.30, it's about that time. Uh, you know, we had him uh, away on assignment, eating uh, bone marrow and all other kinds of crap. You want to you wanna share with the Pure Gold audience our next spot, sir? Yeah, I mean, the guy was in Chicago on assignment, but, I mean, you would think that the guy was going to electric chair the way he was eating food on Thursday. I mean, good God. <laughs> yeah, well, he was He was scarfing it down like there was no tomorrow. Which, you know, if it was 2012, I'd agree with you. But, you know, it's time for that sports update. <laughs> Todd, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing tonight? And we're doing good, Todd. Uh, getting your messages last week during the show, you know, we were uh, we were making it happen. And then all throughout the show, I'm not sure if you got a chance to hear it, 
we were getting uh, play-by-play updates of, of which uh, which uh, cholesterol-raising, heart-attack-inducing meal you were eating next. Yes, it was a plate-by-plate play. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> in Major League Baseball right now, the Yanks and the Reds have been postponed. The Mets are about to drop one to the A's with two outs. It is seven to three in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, in a bright spot, Jason Bay hit his third home run of the year right now, uh, tonight after He's 89 at bats with no extra base hits. Wait, Todd, right. he, so, he has three home runs. Yes, really? I, I I didn't think he had any. He had three hits. He just hit his third, almost his fourth too. I think he got jobbed on that fourth one. Wow. So <laughs> anyway, Phils are losing to the Cards one to two in the eighth. Rockies uh, beat the Indians four to three. Mariners lose one to the Nats five to six. Padres and the Sox, the Sox are losing to the Padres five to four in the eighth. The Pirates have beat the Orioles nine to three. Astros and Rangers are tied at four in the eighth. Braves over the Jays five to one. The Cubbies and the Southsiders have also been delayed due to weather. Marlins over the Angels five to two. D-backs and the Royals, D-backs lead seven to two in the ninth. Brewers over the Rays, 2-1 to one in the seventh. Dodgers and the Tigers are tied at zero in the second. Twins-Giants in the first inning, it is nothing. Twins. Whoa. In golf, just very quickly, Mal- Rory McIlroy wins the, uh, the U.S. Open at 16-under with an eight-stroke read, which is now a U.S. Open record. Wimbledon is underway. Yawn. That's what my <laughs> We're sleeping. <laughs> the NFL owners have well, wake up because the NFL owners have uh, a new proposal for the players to be presented tomorrow, and prevailing wisdom says that this is going to be a go. DG. Well, Todd, of course, uh, your take is sponsored by the IWF for this evening, since the IWF is uh, New Jersey's premier wrestling academy. As a matter of fact, it's the premier wrestling academy all over the planet, all over the world, in the, in the northern hemisphere, the, the southern hemisphere, every hemisphere, in the Milky Way, in every galaxy. Todd, take it away and make Kevin Knight and Flex Freeman proud, sir. So I travel quite extensively for the, uh, the betterment of the pure gold audience. And uh, tonight, I want to talk to you guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And I, like many, and I, like many other business travelers, have good trips and I have bad trips. But unlike most business travelers, the successfulness of a trip for me is not based on whether or not I gave a good or bad presentation. Mine are always good, by the way. Uh, not if the room was small with a lumpy mattress and by the elevator. It doesn't matter to me. I sleep like a rock more often than not. Not even uh, a multi-hour layover or ridiculous lines at security or no seats at the gate. No, sir. All of these things are trivial, and they pale in comparison to the need for me to be well-fed. <laughs> That's right, food. For me, there is wow. nothing more important to my opinion of your city than the quality of your city's fare. So let's review some of these cities. San Francisco, one of my favorite cities. Chapino. Dungeness Crabs, Great Bread, the best Mexican on the West Coast by far. Uh, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado. I lump you guys together. Sorry, but, you know, green chili sauce. Enough said. St. Louis has the hill, an Italian, an Italian food from that neighborhood. That makes Little Italy look like the Olive Garden. Sorry, New York, but their food is better than yours. And speaking of New York, Uncle Jack's, who, in my opinion, has surpassed even the great Tom Colicchio's craft and even uh, Brooklyn's Peter Luger. And while we're talking about steak, Philly, sweet, sweet, filthy Delphia, you have the Reading Terminal Market and the Down Home Diner, of course, and the name says it all, Pat's King of Steaks. There is no debate here. Pat's is the best steak in Philly. Now, after all work and no play makes Todd a dull boy. So let's take a turn south and head to FLA, namely Key West, the Blue Heaven. By far the best breakfast anywhere, ever, ever, ever. Now that's not to say that Jersey doesn't thrill me at all, but sadly the Ryland Inn in uh, White House, New Jersey, and its quirky, somewhat egomaniacal head chef, Craig Shelton, have closed uh, their doors, and they've been closed for some time now. It's sad but true. 
But two of the top five meals I've had anywhere were skillfully crafted on the imported European agus of the fine former establishment. So sad. One restaurant that made coming home to the Garden State palatable, if you'll pardon the pun, has been taken. JB, I'm Todd Johnstone. Thanks, TJ. And, um, you know, it's only the first day of summer, and I'm already getting the, um, and the, you know, the Mets are bordering on relevancy and, you know, either going out of the wild card or, you know, who knows what's going to happen to us. So, TJ, we're going to send you out an assignment once this NFL walkout ends, or if and when it ends, and we're going to send you to some mini camps and you're going to give us some reports on some NFL teams because, I don't know, if the Mets are going to be out of the wild card, I cannot talk about Yankees for the next two months. I love training camps. I can't wait for training camps. Good. You're going out there. Nice. <laughs> bring, me some, bring me back some Philly cheesesteaks when you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Todd. Have a good night, sir. You guys do do the same. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Take care, Todd. Go, go eat a cheesesteak for us, all right? Yeah. Uh, Todd, uh, Todd, I think he's man, Todd really flopping it up there. He sure did. <laughs> so, sir, we were just, uh, before we had Flex on, we were uh, talking about Raw and how putrid it has been, and let's face it, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just that we are so accustomed to the attitude ever when Raw was great every night, but lately, last couple of years, it's just not the same anymore. And, you know, the only bright spot was the whole CM Punk little segment where, you know, he became the number one contender, John Cena's WWE title, but then also... I don't know if this was a shoot or was supposed to be planned, but he also mentioned that his contract was going to expire one hour after the conclusion of the next pay-per-view, which escapes my mind what the pay-per-view is. Is it over the limit or under no, arrest? No, no, it's um, uh, under over the limit, under arrest. No, it's um, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, sir. Oh, okay, that, that pay-per-view. So after that pay-per-view ends at like uh, 11 o'clock, I guess, his contract does expire, but he does mention that he would walk out with the WWE title, and obviously, definitely, maybe, I don't think that would ever happen if he didn't decide not to re-sign with the WWE, but DG, was that uh, intriguing to you? Well, the idea is intriguing, and what I ended up finding out later on, sir, is that when he left um, when he left the one and only Ring of Honor, he tweeted almost word for word the exact same phrase this exact same verbiage so i find that interesting and i don't know what he's setting us up for or what's going on but it looks like uh mr mr punk may be on his way out the door for real it's possible but uh but i'm not sure sir i'm honestly not sure where punk uh where punk might be going or, or what he could be doing or what, what the deal is with all that if it does leak out that he is leaving and he just doesn't want to be part of wwe anymore we applaud that on our side because you know, they must be not be using his character wisely because we could see that. I mean, they misused the whole, you know, the name escapes my mind again. What's that group he's a part of? <laughs> uh, the Nexus? Yeah. The, the Nexus. Nexus. The old Nexus? <laughs> the old Nexus, new Nexus, uh, and then the other bad name that's on SmackDown. But, DG, there's no way then, if he's leaving the WWE, he's not going to become the champion at the pay-per-view. Well, no, but what was probably going to happen, I mean, it, actually it probably won't happen, but what, knowing the WWE, the way they would do it, they'd book it to have Cena lose to him, and then he would lose to the Money in the Bank winner right away, and then he, you know, Punk would be out the door, sir. That makes sense, but, I mean, there are some wrestlers that just, you know, when their character is not used wisely, and Punk's been around for a while, just... You know, they finally just have enough, and they're like, that's it for me. I'm out of here because, let's face it, the WWE, and we call them monkey writers here on Pure Gold, and we also call that, they also call that, that phrase on online onslaught, you know, monkey writers. That's all they are, DG. I mean, they don't know how to book properly. They don't know how to write these people properly. It's just, I just think that they don't really care because they're, they're, you know, their show is now, it's PG, not pure gold, but it's, you know, rated PG. And it's for little kids that don't understand the continuity of a storyline, the making of a good feud. You know what you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not for us anymore. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a shame, but it, that seems to be the route that they're taking. And, you know, as, as fans of the sport, or, excuse me, the action soap opera for so long, I mean, what, what can you do, sir? There's not much that we as fans are going to get. You know, I saw Low Key on uh, Twitter. He put something to the effect of, you know, you vote with your dollars, 
and you vote with uh, you know your your remote per se, but you know the power to the people. That's where it is. But the truth is that you know the kids aren't going to stop watching. The kids aren't going to change their opinion on John Cena or anybody else. So really, nothing is going to change. Nothing's going to happen. Um, you know, we could sit there and not watch as much as we want, but I don't think that the WWE is going to listen to us, the the internet wrestling community, as it were. But what's going to happen is a lot of the same. It's going to keep going. It's the perpetual cycle of crap, as it go, as uh, it were. And you know, we're stuck with it. The, the the guy who's supremely talented, CM Punk, unfortunately, is probably going to be leaving us. And uh, you know, we're going to be stuck with Cena. And then, of course. Uh, the pay-per-view on Sunday, the Miz lost, so I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he's going to get a uh, future endeavored or something, but, I mean, he lost to Alex Riley after being dominated in their feud, and I've heard some people say that Alex is the future of the WWE, but, I, you know, I'm I'm not convinced. I'm not saying he, he doesn't have talent, but I'm not convinced he's that good, sir, and it seems that that's the route they're going. But, you know, we can sit here and debate the WWE all day. I think uh, we need to uh, move on from this, sir. Yeah, let's move on from one crap fest slot fest uh, of a organization to another slot fest organization known as the New York Metropolitans, DG. Of course, uh, you know, give it to us, sir. Give us your uh, your nuggets, as it were. Uh, not really nuggets, just that the Mets, you know, it seems like every time they're close to 500, which last Thursday, if they would have won the game, they would have been a game over 500, but now I've just been losing games again. Um, they're bordering on being out of the wild card contention, um, and then the the biggest story that I have, and I know you want to mention something about the Mets too, is that it looks like you know it's going to be really hard to sign Jose Reyes. The guy's having a great year right now, and now he's also trying to get the services of a one Scott Boris. And you know that Scott Boris, I mean, for a player, if you're the player, I mean, the guy will get you as much money as you can. That's out in the open market, so you know that the Mets are going to have a really tough time signing this guy if Scott Boris becomes Jose Reyes's agent in general. So I I don't know. If the Mets can actually sign next year at DG, and then you know you, you hear about what Wilpon's saying lately. Yeah, and, and what would that be, sir, for the uh, pure gold aliens? I thought you wanted to break that bombshell, but it's not a bombshell, obviously, definitely. Obviously, maybe, possibly. I I, I don't know if Fred Wilpon was drinking or he made a bet to say this uh, to the media or whoever he talked to, but he mentioned that if the Mets are in contention, that they will are willing to spend some money. Maybe Ken Einhorn's money because you know, I don't know if the Wilpons have any money to spend on some some players if the Mets are still in the wild card. And DG, what is that magic number? Like you know, if the Mets are like four out, the Mets are going to go pursue a pitcher or a hitter, or is it like the is the magic number like within two games, within one game? I mean, that's that you know, it's easy to say that the Mets are going to go after um, somebody if they're in it, but you know, what's the definition of being in it? I think that's the I think that's the issue, sir. And, and the truth is that none of us are ever going to know what, what the New York Mets are thinking and what the deal is, because you know, quite frankly, n- nothing else makes any sense. To, if we're going to look at it, you know, objectively as fans, I mean, the, the Mets seem to have no clue, sir, no clue what's going on. And and it seems like the Mets are uh, they're in a position where even if they go and spend money, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, um, you know, whatever the case is, I don't think the Mets are really going to get to that point where they're going to be able to make any any real moves. Who are they going to get? Who are they going to go out there? You know, what's the goal here? That They may say that they're going to spend money, but what's money? You know, what does being a buyer mean? It means they're going to get another, uh, you know, guy like Willie Harris. Does it mean we're talking like a top front-line starter? I mean, where are the Mets going to get the money from? We talk about David Einhorn, but truthfully speaking, we have that whole deal with him, you know, a dollar – he may buy the team for a dollar in a couple of years if uh, if the Wilpon's financial situation doesn't change. But I, I don't know, so, sir. Uh, you know, give us your take on that. Yeah, I, I don't really understand too what they must mean that they'll go after somebody. I don't know if they're trying to to make the fans or to please the fans, saying that we are going to be buyers when you know at the trading deadline. And let's face it, like DG said, there's just nobody that I see the Mets could go after, you know, unless. They're looking for rental players, and then, you know, what's good is a rental player. If this team is not really, I don't know, they border on contention for a wild card, but I cannot see them competing all year for this wild card. I think they're going to slowly start dropping off. The next two weeks, are are they're playing some really good teams. They're on a West Coast trip. 
I think this team falls apart, honestly, DG, just like they did last year. And they'll be way out of it by the time the All-Star break comes. And uh, we'll be talking about how Jose Reyes is not going to sign with the Mets. And like I said, what, I mean, what do you feel about, I mean, Scott Boris, I mean, when the name alone just, you know, cr- you, you cringe if you're an owner if you're dealing with Scott Boris. Well, as a fan, I think you cringe because you know that most likely he's not coming back to your team. What do you think of the chances that Jose Reyes is in New York Mets next year? I mean, they have a brief window to – I heard I heard somebody say that it's it's short, and I mean normally it was two weeks. I'm not sure how much what it's down to, but is there any chance that Jose Reyes is a Met next year? I think the only way the Met, I mean, I think he's going to want his seven years, and I think that he's going to want at least a, like 140 million. So I think he's going to want about 20 million dollars a year, almost Derek Jeter money when Derek Jeter got his, you know, not the the last contract, but the, his other contract where he's getting 19 million dollars a year. I think this guy's going to want at least 20 million dollars a year. I just don't see how the Mets could afford that. And then to let go of your best player, I mean, it just sends so many mixed messages if you're a fan. I I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't see them being able to resign Jose Reyes at all. I agree. I I don't even see how it's possible. I mean, I'd love it. I I really don't want him to be on another team. I heard Lori Rubinson and the fans talking the other night about how uh, so many people, so many Mets fans seem to be, uh, what's the word? They're not appreciative of Jose Reyes and, and, and who he is and what he's done for the team, you know. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, Jose was injured a bit, and he's not injured than he is, you know. So he's he's kind of got a little a little back and forth on that. But I mean, recently he hadn't been injured up until last year. I just don't see how the Mets can let him go, and I don't see how they're going to keep him. So I'll take a catch twenty two. Let me ask you this though. The Mets are in contention. I mean, you know, are they going to trade Carlos Beltran? Are they going to keep him? And you know. Uh, Garrett Reyes, or I know that he's a free agent at the end of the year. Both of them are free agents, but would you sign Beltran if you can get him for maybe two years, sir? I mean, you'd have to rework the contract, and um, I don't know if I'd sign Carlos Beltran. I think I'm done with Carlos Beltran, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I don't. I'm, it annoys me, and I, I know I shouldn't put my emotion to it if I'm playing the owner, but it would annoy me if I'm the owner, too, is if you know these guys decide to play on their contract year. It looks like you know, Carlos Beltran, I think his best years are behind him. I think it's time to move on and cut ties with him. And just, you know, it's somebody that I, I don't want on my team in the next two years. So, no, DG, I, I do not bring Carlos Beltran back. Even if it's at a reduced rate? Yeah, even if it's at a reduced rate, I just think I've had enough of, you know, like the guy, you know, I, I you know, with his uh, his knee operation, he, he went against what you the, know. I know the Mets doctors are just bad, but, I mean, he was like borderline insubordination. He just didn't care what – he wanted to do things his way. He did the operation. He didn't consult the Mets. And I know, again, the Mets doctors are not the best of doctors, but I think he went about it the wrong way when he went and did everything on his own last year. But, yeah, I don't, I don't understand you could say that because I look at Ike Davis. Ike Davis got a tiny injury, uh, you know, bumped into David Wright, and now he's gone for who knows how long. And the Mets doctors say it will be a couple of weeks. It ends up being months and months on end. You know, we talk about it all the time. It's been mentioned on the fan. It's been mentioned on every station. The Mets, the Mets are like a black hole. These guys get injured. They never come back. These tiny injuries become, you know, months and months of rehab, and we just don't know. You will hear Johan Santana, oh, he'll be back uh, in May. Oh, wait, no, he'll be back in yeah June. Oh, no, July. Oh, no, wait, at this point, maybe he'll pitch in September. I mean, he may never pitch again. Uh, you know, the, the Mets may have a, his career may be over. Because the truth is, the Mets, for whatever reason, they have this almost like a. And I don't believe in curses and jinx and things like that, but it just seems like the Mets don't have any type of good uh, vibes, as it were. The Mets have no, nothing good happens to the New York Metropolitan, sir. That's true. Um, you know, and looking at some other baseball topics, like it, it was interesting to see that the Florida Mar- Marlins, you know, fired their manager and brought back 80 year old Jack McKean. I mean, to me, that just. Um, I, I is was he only 80, most- sir? I thought he was older than that. <laughs> He's 80 years young, yeah, and uh, he benched Ramirez. I think he benched, uh, you know, his best player um, his first game, his first day as a manager again. So that was interesting. But he's 80 years old, and it makes me think like there's really nobody out there. I guess that you know they need Jack McKeon back from you know, you know, Social Great. Security to. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy's 80 years old, and he's the Mets, uh, the Florida Marlins manager again. That's a little uh, extreme, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, what can we really expect from the Marlins? The Marlins have never shown any ability. I mean, yeah, they got two World Series, but look at what they've done afterwards. They pretty much dismantled. I mean, as a fan of the Marlins, you can't even sit there and say that, 
you know, they've done such a good job with anything. You can't even sit there and say, man, you know, my team did this and my team did that. And, you know, yeah, you won two titles, but, I mean, really? Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it, it's an absolute disgrace what, what the Marlins have done. And they've been bad for, for a while. You know, they go kind of back and forth. Sure, they've cost the Mets some some titles and some things and some, you know, division titles or whatever, but, I mean, that that's what they live for. Right now they're just... They're just a, a, a ship that's totally sinking, and like you said, they had to bring you know one foot in the grave, Jack McKeon back to manage. It surprised me. I mean, is there is couldn't they have dug up anybody else? I mean, you know, is uh, is Whitey Ford still around? Could they have got uh, you know Yogi Berra? I mean, you know, there's got to be somebody there. That's true. So that that was an interesting topic, and you know, the, you know, in baseball, it's just again the baseball is such a long season, DG. There's no more basketball. There's no more football. Well, there there might be football, but there's no more basketball. There's no more hockey. So I have to bring this next topic up because I know you promised. Uh, I promised that we never talk golf, but I gotta talk golf only because this Rory McIlroy that T- TJ mentioned won the U.S. Open, and this guy choked at the Masters a couple months ago, rebounded and and won by the largest margin. Uh, and was the only person in double digits in terms of his score um, to win the U.S. Open. So everyone's already starting the comparisons, DG, about him being the next Tiger, and it would be interesting to see if Tiger is able to come back from his injury and what kind of person you know Tiger will be because you figure this guy, Roy McIlroy, is 22 years old. He might actually start winning a lot of majors, and you know it's going to make Tiger Woods either either give up totally or just come back full force and it'd be interesting to see because you know Phil Mickelson, he's about 41 years old right now, and he's on his way out in terms of like competing, you know, week in and week out. So, did you hear about this guy at all? I know you don't follow golf at all, but this guy is being called the next Tiger Woods already. Wait, Roy McIlroy isn't he? Uh, wasn't he Drew McIntyre's uh, tag team partner in Scotland? <laughs> yeah, I guess he was. I think he was a member of the Highlanders, sir. I'm not sure if you remember that. That's acting. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I did hear about it. And, you know, congratulations to Rory uh, McIlroy. You know, I used to work with a guy named Rory. I wonder if he's related to him. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, with me, like you, like you just said, I don't like golf. I don't understand the fascination people have with golf. I don't, you know, I hear people talking about it at my day job, which shall remain nameless, you know, talking about how great golf is and how, you know, people – going on vacations all the time to play golf left and right, you know, back-to-back and belly-to-belly. But uh, I just don't get it, sir. I don't understand what the fascination is. But in a case like this, you know, it's a feel-good story. You want the guy to to succeed. Uh, I think comparisons to Tiger are just way overblown until he, you know, sleeps with about seven different women. I think that there's no (laughs) way he's going to... He's going to even be in Tiger's class unless you're talking about majors and things like that, which in that case, he's got a lot to go... So I just don't see Tiger as a type to to give up. So I know he's been through a lot, um, you know, his own doing, of course. But I just can't imagine Tiger was just uh, laying down. I mean, he, he does other types of laying down, but I can't imagine him just laying down, as it were, and just uh, giving up. I I don't like the the term the next Tiger Woods anyway, because I think Tiger Woods is one of the only. Well, to me, he's the golfer that transcended the sport and made it into what it is nowadays. I mean, granted, it costs a lot of money to play golf, and it's expensive, yeah. you know, week in and week out, or, you know, it's for, you know, it's really for the upper class, basically, this game, but I think Tiger um, really turned a lot of uh, kids' attention to the game, where, and and for me, too, honestly, I mean, I saw him in 97 when he won the Masters, and maybe like a month later, I wanted to get a set of clubs, and I wanted to play golf, because he made golf cool. It was for the younger person. He was like this, you know, driving the ball 300 yards. He was making putts like it was no tomorrow. So he turned on a generation to playing golf, not saying that now everybody plays golf because, again, it is expensive, DG. But, you know, Tiger Woods is more than just a player. And to me, even if even if he doesn't catch Jack Nicklaus, he will be remembered as, if not the best golfer ever, at least the second best because of not only what he did on the course, but what he did in terms of just making everybody aware of the sport and getting kids to start playing this uh, game of golf. I agree. You know, it's amazing to me that Tiger was uh, was transcended sports the way that he did, and it's also amazing to me how he's fallen so so quickly because people tend to, you know, people turn on you, sir. People tend to turn, and they tend to, uh, 
you know, when things it's like I always say, the society is the type of thing where you 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 root for people to make it to the top, and then you just root for them to come down. I'm not saying that we do that because obviously we don't, but in the case of uh, you know society in general, they just want people to to succeed. Just to watch them crash and burn, you know. Everybody wa- likes watching a train wreck, is the quote. As long as it's not them, and uh, you know, unfortunately, Tiger is uh, has been a train wreck, and he hasn't seemed to have been able to recover. You know, we may watch, uh, we may be watching greatness uh, crumble before us, but you know, Joe, it's just uh, it's a shame what's happened to Tiger. But you know, again, good for Rory McIlroy, and I, I like Phil Mickelson. I want him to get the job done, but it doesn't seem like oh, Phil is is doing that there. Yeah. You know what's interesting? You were talking about society and crumbling and everything like that. Did you hear about the story, before we wrap up the show, did you hear about the story um, of the guy that got arrested for stealing a dollar? Yeah, I did, all because he wanted health care, right? Yeah. I mean, if that's not a knock on society these days, the guy decides to go to a bank, puts a note to the teller, says he wants a dollar, he waits and proceeds calmly, you know, for, like, the teller, I guess, rings the secret buzzer, gets the cops over here, they arrest the guy, and they find out the reason why he wanted a dollar was because he needed health care, he needed food, and he thought that jail was the best answer. I mean, that's pretty desperate, and that's, uh, you know, smart thinking on his end, but that just tells you what what's going on in society today. I'm convinced, DG, that, in, especially in the United States, we are looking at the elimination of the middle class. It's only going to be upper class and lower class. And the divide keeps getting greater and greater every day. I agree with that, sir. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, what can we do, sir? All we can do is keep pure gold rolling, hope that we somehow become the upper class so we can we can move up past the middle class, sir. We can leave the middle class in the dust. <laughs> so, sir, on Thursday, uh, we got another uh, Smallville view. Of course, it's Smallville View. We're probably going to get into a little Super 8, which was super great. I mean, we have a lot of great things going on, as always. Uh, you know, this is, of course, the one and only pure gold as we as we wrap it up for this evening. Sir, um, you know, this week's a little bit different. You know, I don't want to get into too much details, but, uh, you know, obviously we have a little uh, – where our broadcasting situation is a little bit different. But, you know, pure gold keeps motoring forward. We keep moving on. Keep on keeping on, sir. Um, so, you know, so I'm excited about everything going on with this show and all the different changes and, you know, the additions and stuff. And, of course, trying to get some, trying to finalize some, some more interviews. We had Flex Freeman on today. Of course, we appreciate him coming on, but we, we're trying to get some more interviews locked up in the near future so that we can have more people coming on the show. Because I know your whole thing, let's interview the interviewers, but uh, we love doing interviews, so there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, our intern, is, you know, progressively working on Sid Rosenberg, so. That will be definitely a fun interview. No doubt, Sid's a great guy. Kevin, our intern, is a great guy. And hopefully we get that within the next couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Hopefully, definitely, obviously, possibly, sir. <laughs> you sound tired. Yeah, you know, I am tired. Uh, it's been uh, it's been one of those days. It's just been a long, long slop fest of a day. And, you know, we're, we're approaching 11 o'clock and we're ready to wrap this show up, but... I'm excited as always for everything going on with Pure Gold. Um, just I can't wait to see what happens in the future, sir, and you know where everything takes us. Yep, the summer of Pure Gold is underway, and folks, make sure you tune in again if you want to hang with us, talk to us, anything sports related or anything life, sports, and everything in between. Seven one four three six four four seven two one. Check out our website because DG, the head of our media. The head of everything, mostly at Pure Gold. Let's face it. Definitely, you know, he's always working. Yeah, he's always working on our website. So check it out at puregoldpg.com. Does a great job. DG, you are the man. I agree with that, sir. And folks, we'd like to just thank you all for listening. We'd like to thank our wonderful guest, Flex Freeman. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody who makes this show what it is. Of course, Kelly, our lovely board up, who did a great job today. You can always check us out here at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you know, we'll be simulcast on Ustream as well, and we just like to, again, you know, keep you looking forward to everything coming on Pure Gold. As always, it's been a pleasure. For JB, this is DG, a PG, reminding you folks, this is Pure Gold. Always keep it PG, and I leave you with this. A Flippin' Out Radio production. It's real.
the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again. 